open up your Bible to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. We're going to start a new series today, and it's called It Really Works, and it's about prayer. And because uh, prayer is really a big subject, and there's so much said about prayer, um, you would think prayer is something you do that really doesn't work. Or it could, or you throw enough prayers up, and some will stick. You know, there was this restaurant where I lived in California called Michael J's. Now, I'm not suggesting this, what I'm about to say, but they had these big, tall, vaulted ceilings, and for some reason, they thought it was a good idea to put cork on the ceiling. You ever been in a restaurant like that, where there's cork up there on the ceiling? Just the whole thing is cork. You know, big, brown, thick squares of cork. I guess it was to kill the sound or something, but then why do you stick those giant toothpicks with the fur at the end, the little, you know, plastic stuff that fit in your straw that you could shoot, see if you could stick them in the ceiling? Now, I would never do that. I've just heard about this and noticed. I was like, whoa, why? There's some, and I think some people think prayers like that. You shoot some up, some make it, some don't. You know, and some stick, and oh, look, they got theirs answered. They're stuck. Whoops, mine landed in that lady's hair. You know, oh, well, you know, we'll try again. Got to order another burger, but we'll, we'll try again. And I think some people think prayers like that, you know, that it can work or it might work. And the same thing is true, even though we're going to be teaching on prayer, the principles of faith and prayer are the same. So if you will, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and even though we're starting here, this probably will only be a couple weeks that we'll be in this section of Scripture because remember this, Ephesians 6 is the last chapter, so there's stuff that came first. And so this is a familiar verse of Scripture. We're going to probably read all the way through it, and you'll see that the context here is how to get victory in prayer and in life. But specifically, he talks about this. Paul is writing. He's inspired by God. He is in prison while he's writing this. So he's got Roman soldiers by him. And so he uses a natural illustration to connect principles to this Roman guard's armor. So, you know, they had a breastplate, and they had a, a band thing around their waist, and they had certain kind of shoes, and they had weapons and a helmet and things like that. So when he writes this by the inspiration of God, in verse 10 of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, it says, finally, my brethren. So who's he writing to? Christians, his family, the brethren, that would count as the sistren too, sisters, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, because there is an evil day, whether you like it or not, that comes to people. And then it says, in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. King James says loins, this middle part. He said, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
having uh, shod or strapped on your feet the preparation or the message of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Notice this, verse 18 is a continuation of thought. So he said, take the sword of the Spirit, praying, always. In other words, what is the sword? Now, we've taught on this before. It literally means the spoken word. You could say it like this, take the principles of the word to prayer. So he said, taking the sword of the Spirit, praying always with all prayer. Some translations say all manner and types of prayer and supplication, which just means humble request in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance or staying with it and supplication or humble request for all saints. And then he said, for me, and he goes on and he says some different things. But if you notice, he says, even when you're praying, you have to be watchful. You know, some people pray and they're not watchful. What do you mean be watchful? Well, in the context he's talking about, these things, these pieces of armor and what you face. And he said, when you pray, he said, even after you've prayed, once you've prayed, before you've prayed, you need to be watchful. And so we're going to look through a couple of these verses. Notice verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle. Wouldn't it be nice if it just said period, verse 13. Therefore, We do not wrestle, but it says we do wrestle. We do not wrestle, but he's really not saying we don't wrestle. He's just trying to say what we do and don't wrestle against. He said we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Realize it's really not the natural things in life, and a lot of people are blaming other people. He said, but we do wrestle but not just against the natural things. He said, but we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but against, and then he goes on to this list of these evil spirits. But notice he said, we wrestle. Some people have taken that verse and said, let's all go find the devil. Let's go do these services and fight against the devil. Notice it doesn't say only a select few at certain times need to go fight the devil. Well, let's leave that up to them. No, he said we wrestle. Whether anybody likes this or not, you have been in a wrestling match. As a Christian, because he's writing to Christians, and he said, listen, if you do these things that I'm telling you, he said, you can stand and withstand, and overcome, and prevail, and prevail in prayer. And so, what is wrestling? You know, people are thinking, WW, what they changed this E now, or when I was younger, it was WWF, right? Something like that? Don't act innocent. How many watch wrestling? No, no, I'm kidding. And, uh, But we know what that kind of wrestling is, but there's other kinds of wrestling. We know, you know, when you're little, the little kid, they all want to wrestle with you and stuff. But, you know, when you're wrestling with a little kid, that's not wrestling. (laughs) 
when your kid gets bigger and you're getting to that point where you're like, oh, I think I'm done wrestling them. That's wrestling. You know what I'm talking about? I'm done. Go wrestle your brother. And so it's something, though, this is what you need to understand. We all do it, but it's not physical. So that takes us out of the scene part, and it means then, have you, how many of us have ever seen a demon? I've heard stories where people have seen them. So this is an unseen wrestling that everybody participates in. Has and will. You don't even have to want it. You live here. Everybody has participated with this wrestling. You with me? Everybody in the world. Here's the thing. Even people that don't go to church uh, deal with this wrestling, but some people don't wrestle. Say, so what do you mean? Everybody participates, but some don't apply any effort back, and they just, as soon as the wrestling starts, they tap out. Okay, quit. That's it. And they didn't even know they were wrestling, but they're pinned. And they don't even know it. And the world lives like this. And so he said there's unseen forces that we have to wrestle with. And here is where this wrestling takes place. It's in your thought life. It's in your imagination. Why is it there? Why, for a believer, do we wrestle in our thought life? Well, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, or you could say it like this, the core way he sees and sees himself and sees things, so shall he be. Now, here's what you need to know. When you get born again, there's a spiritual side of you that's been made new. And he wants the core way you look and see things to line up with that. But how many of you know there are things that come to wrestle with you? God loves you. How, no, but hear me. God loves every one of us like beyond what you could ever imagine. And there's people, they're totally pinned. And as soon as you say that, they don't wrestle. They go, not me. And they didn't even know they were pinned. They didn't know he had already taken advantage of them. I just haven't been good enough. Well, they don't know that Christ paid the price, and their standing with God is in Christ. And so they just go, not me. Or the enemy said, well, have you ever felt a little hug from the Lord? Well, no, I guess you're not loved. And they're wrestling, and they don't know that that is wrestling. And then they just go, yeah, that's me. I'm not loved. You with me? People don't realize that there is wrestling that takes place. Thank you for your excitement. The sooner we know, the better off we are. And, you know, he's the God of miracles. He's doing great things here. Well, let me see. Some people then when they see it, they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're dealing in flesh and blood realities. But we should be living in faith principles and realize there are battles and I'm not saying life is always like this, but ready or not, there are going to come times where we are going to have to do things and we're going to get in a wrestling match. I didn't say you like it. This is going to be one of the great things when we get to heaven. There will be no more wrestling. Oh, now you guys are all excited. <laughs> ah. <laughs> but here's the thing. We should get excited that we can win. 
here, not there. There's no battles there. The winning and standing is for here. And so that being said, we're going to look at the very first piece today of armor that he told us to put on. But you don't even have to count it as armor. All you need to do is count it as a truth. You with me? Because you could actually read this and remove all the armor pieces and then just connect the truth. In other words, instead of the helmet of salvation, put on salvation, put salvation in your mind. Because that's what he said, for a helmet over your head, salvation. In other words, think in the way of salvation. When he said your loins gird around with truth, he's talking about the core. So instead of the belt or the girdle of truth, you know, which is an armor piece, you could just say, get the truth in your core. The core way you process. That's different than just memorizing a verse. You with me? And so here in this 14th verse, he said, Stand therefore, having girded your waist, or the King James says loins, with truth. Having done this, you will be able to stand. Well, what is he saying your loins gird about with truth? Is he saying just memorize a verse of scripture? Or is he saying something that's maybe going to take some work to put them on? You know, some people like a certain size pair of pants and their body has outgrown them, but they'll wrestle <laughs> to get them things on. And some people need to spend a good chunk of life wrestling to put these on. Because to put them on, you may have to wrestle and put off a different way of thought that you didn't even know was there. You with me? And, uh, sorry, sometimes I get a thought. Sometimes I cast them down. Somebody sent me a video, somebody, lady put it on this girdle that was supposed to help you shrink or something, hold you, and she got it on, and her waist went like this, and she was, like, in a panic. Because now she couldn't get it off. I'm thinking, go to the kitchen, get a knife, and cut that thing off. You're going to, you know how you ever get a rubber band and tie it around your finger and the end turns a little purple? I think, I thought either the top of her is going to turn purple or the bottom is going to turn purple. This is not a good program. So some things are going to take work to get off and some things aren't just going to go away real easy. Once you get this established, you're going to see stuff, good stuff in your life. And so when he said in verse 14, Stand therefore, having. So this is something he expects us to do and get it done. And we can. Having girded your waist or your loins or your core, the core way that you see. Now you can be saved and not always see core ways correctly. Anybody ever been studying the Word of God and went, whoa, look at that. I didn't know that was in there. And it was really like a first glimmer of light on a subject. But your core way of seeing is not there yet. You mean God is really for me and I can really resist the enemy or I can really get free from something? I did not know that. I just thought you lived this life. And so it becomes a glimmer of light and a glimmer of hope, 
but your loins are not girded yet. In other words, it's not a core way you see to where you go, oh yeah, victory's mine. Christ paid for it. And it's not just that you say it, your loins are the core, just the internal way you process life. You go, of course, that's how it is. But notice, we have to do this. So how do we do this? Turn with me, because we're talking about wrestling. I think there's a side where we do come into wrestling matches in this area, and we are going to wrestle when it comes to prayer. But what does that wrestling look like? It could be like this. You prayed. You said, Lord, I believe this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're minding your own business. Because remember, he said, be watchful when you pray. And all of a sudden, a thought comes. Well, check. Check the circumstances. You see a check in the mail. Has anybody called you? You asked for friends. You didn't get any new friends this week. You're not going to get any friends. And you don't even realize, well, you better just compromise then and go to these worldly people so they'll be your friends. You don't think this stuff happens? Oh, yeah, it does. And people don't realize they're in a wrestling match. And sometimes we're so trained to just, yeah, go ahead and go do that. We don't even realize we submit to it and go. And that's where you wrestle and have to re uh, train the core way. But how many of us have done certain things that we're used to thinking a certain way, just the core, and we know this isn't even the way God wants me to do life? Anybody ever been there? Well, then we need to learn how to uh, gird our loins, to change the way we see life and existence as a believer. You get a new spiritual nature when you get saved. You don't get a new core value or the way you process life. Now, you can be greatly influenced by that new life. I mean, for me, when I got saved, I was like, get out of my way. I'm going for it. And there was a great influence. But as I would read the Bible, I recognized, wow, I need to adjust that. I need to change the core way I see and so how do we do that? 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, is a tremendous verse. And once again, uh, maybe it's looked at in a bad light many times because it's been taken out of bounds. Now remember, we wrestle, and notice this right here in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare, and what did he say? Put on the whole armor. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means fleshly. Remember, he said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And he's saying the same thing here, a little bit different. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. You don't need to strike out at people. It's not physical. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, what are these strongholds? And once again, the thought is, is this a designation where just this is spiritual warfare? We're going to go do spiritual warfare. You ever heard people talk like that? Well, we need to do some warfare. 
That's what we're going to do is some warfare. Now, I believe in dealing with the devil, but this is not what he's talking about getting crazy. Flying around in airplanes and getting up on the mountain and telling devils to come down. Well, don't tell them to do that because there's people down there. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, you don't have to invoke or do anything like that, but we can resist the enemy, and I'm not trying to make light of him, but I am saying some of this stuff has been pushed into foolishness. You don't have to go anywhere to find the enemy. Did Jesus ever go look for him? But he showed up. He was in the wilderness trying to do his thing, pray and fast, and the devil showed up. Well, somebody said, well, what did Jesus do wrong to have that happen? He actually did nothing wrong. You just live in an environment where at times you may find that some wrestling may occur. But we want to know how to be ready when it does, but we need to do this. We can unconsciously yield in the wrestling if we're not seeing things correctly. You with me? So right here it says in verse 5, he said, pulling down strongholds. But what are these strongholds? Verse 5 says, casting down arguments. Arguments. This isn't with people because, remember, they're not carnal, fleshly battles. These aren't arguments with people because, really, even though we do maybe argue with somebody on a point or a standpoint, the issue is not just the verbal. It's trying to get somebody to internally change your viewpoint. Isn't that what it's about? And so, but he said these can occur and not even be seen. And so he said, casting down arguments. What's interesting is the King James reads right here, casting down imaginations. One translation is vain or empty imaginations. Why is it that we need to cast down vain or empty imaginations? The first thought would be, what in the world is an imagination? And it's the word we get image from. And this stuff happens all the time. And there are vain imaginations. I was at a restaurant the other day getting something to go, and... This one girl looked out the window. There had been a car accident. And she said, oh, there was a car accident. I'm just afraid to go through intersections. Then somebody else pipes up. You know, I went to the grocery store later. The girl was telling the other lady, I've been in two accidents. I'm like, we got a theme here. I mean, I had two in a month. And the other lady... Well, let me tell you, I'm just afraid to go out there. You with me? What is this? These people are hearing stuff, and what happens when you hear stuff? It usually starts putting a new imagination in your head. You start picturing intersections. You drive into the intersection and start thinking. I didn't hear anybody say Psalm 91. Well, thank God the Lord has given his angels charge over me. He will protect me. Or do I just live in fear every time I come to an intersection? 
You know what I mean? And so they start changing, and they don't realize they're in a wrestling match, and they're not even looking toward God, looking toward what God said. And then, you know what was wild? As soon as I drove into the intersection, I'm looking around at cars. I thought, that's crazy. You just heard that. And I, so I just thought, thank, I did. I even said, thank you, Lord. You protect me. Now, that doesn't mean I just drive with my eyes closed. Well, the Lord protects me. I'll tell you what, if there's anything the Lord does, he just protects me. Yeah, he gave you a brain, too. So you should be observant. Pay attention. You with me? But he can direct you to go or not go a place or, you know, certain things. But how does this work? Well, images come. How many times do people get around when they hear bad news? And that's one thing about the media. They are not the good news. They should put bad news. Because they're not up there going, oh, we just got this real good feel-good story. You know, this person invested and they made money in the middle of a hard time. Woo no, they go find all the bad stuff. Because people feed. But you know what that stuff does? It puts images we all process through images whether we know it or not. If I say, hey, go pick up this person, they're over here, you start picturing things, right? Hey, let's go redesign your backyard. I heard you got a new house, and let's go over there. You know how you're going to do that? You're going to imagine, and you're going you're gonna to put the pool here, or you're going to put the trees there, and you're going to go, no, because you're going to imagine a tree growing. Well, that'll just wreck the house. i got to move it a little further away. And we think through imagination. Even when you imagine you win the lottery, the first thing you imagine is writing out a big check to the church, right? And he's like, I don't know how I was thinking that. Some people did. But when you do, what do you do? You're like, I'm, I'm getting a super yacht. I'm getting one of those sailor caps. Stand up in the front of the boat. Let's go. Right? You're like, I'm going to get cabin in the woods. And then you're like, oh, it's not two stories. It's three stories. And all of a sudden, your imagination pictures it. And you start painting pictures. Because we live that way. Positive and negative. Isn't it true? Oh, man, the flu's coming. And then we don't think about just getting the flu. We see ourselves laid up for a week and a half. Not believing that there could be some kind of intervention that if I did get the flu, I could get raised up and it wouldn't have to be that way. But why is it that these negative things come? Because we wrestle, and the sooner we recognize, the better off we are. And so how do we get ourselves established in the truth? Well, if we're to cast down vain imaginations, the word imagination in the Hebrew, when it talks about that word imagination, it literally means to frame something, to build something. If you want to build a house or you want to build a building, you go get blueprints. And you can look at a blueprint and you can start picturing it before you ever start building. Isn't that true? And so when he said, gird your core with truth, he's saying you need to get a godly image of the way things are in Christ and the way things are from God's viewpoint in you. 
But how do you build? Well, the word imagination literally means to frame. You know, if you ever want to frame a house, what do you do? You call a framer. Hey, framer, come frame my house. And you go to work and you come home and it's completely framed, right? Just like that. You, you had to come home actually early, so you got home at 10 o'clock, you left at 8, and it was, because you frame like that, right? Three-story house, remember the cabin, three-story, but it's all logs, custom cut, because you don't want just two-by-sixes, two-by-fours. Remember, it's a cabin, you're a billionaire now. They just do it like, no, it takes time to frame something. So your imagination is framing constantly. When we were kids, we were encouraged to use our imagination. Today, let's just turn on the TV and let somebody else frame stuff. So you can watch the commercials and they'll tell you, listen, if you've got this problem, take this pill. Side effects are diarrhea all the time. <laughs> well, okay, I can handle that. It's better than this. And you become cross-eyed. You're like, well, that's tough for driving, but... Okay, then you have spasms every 15 minutes. Well, that's okay unless I'm eating. And what are you doing? Picturing, whoa, diarrhea, that's not a good... You're imaging things. Yeah, somebody's like, I am doing that now. All right, we're dismissed for the picnic. There's your food in the back. No, but the issue is we see through pictures. You know, we used to tell Christians, let's look at scriptures throughout the day. Now we watch a commercial every 10, 15 minutes that tells you there's germs on that door handle. Use a sani rag or a little sani wipe and attack the germs before they jump on your arm and run up into your nose and make it all. <laughs> and then you're thinking, whoa, I don't know if that thing is it up by my elbow. Hurry, I got to go pull. I got to get to the sink and wash. I think. It... And then you're in the bathroom rolling up your sleeves, going up to your shoulders, because it could have already gotten there by now. What are you, you're imagining. You don't even know if it's true. You don't even know if it's true. And so we, we feed on this throughout the day. And then as soon as the program's back on, so-and-so's sleeping with so-and-so, then their friend is covering up for them all things that should be done covering up for one person's sin while another person's sinning. And what is this doing? It's creating an image of deceptiveness in you. In other words, yeah, just don't, you don't have to tell everybody. You don't need to tell the truth. You don't need to stand up. And then they get people arguing against, you know, you know, on the TV program, leave them alone. They're allowed to do what they want. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then they teach us to go, okay, this happens all the time. You can watch TV programs and get all the immorality in all kinds of ways and cussing and stuff. I was watching a clip from the NBA and these guys doing an analysis for these players. And uh, they said, you know what's wild? One of them, and I know the guy's a Christian because they've talked about him. His name's Chris Broussard. He said, you know what's interesting? He said, have you ever noticed the news conferences now that used to be, just even a couple of years ago, they weren't allowed to cuss, and now they cuss and just cover it? I thought, you know what, the time will come. They won't blanket. They'll just allow them to cuss. 
And then people will go, that's okay. Why is it becoming that way? And it's feeding people and it's putting images in people that this is acceptable, that this is okay. And we listen to all kinds of music. And I'm not trying to say you can't watch TV and we're just all going to move and live in a rock, you know, under a rock. No, that's not the truth. The fact is, there are some things you can't just outbuild. You know, you see people talk about food. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. Well, I guess you technically could. You just become like an Olympic swimmer or something, and you have to swim all day long to burn 10,000 calories. But you can't outdo just feeding yourself junk all the time. Then, because why? Because then when I go out into public or go out to live my life and all of a sudden a thought comes, the wrestling's on and I may have already been trained to tap out. And it's going against my nature and I wonder why I don't live in peace. I'm not talking peace naturally, I'm talking God kind of peace. And so he said, casting down fortresses, strongholds, it literally shows a picture of something that was built block by block. And what happens is we live in a society like this, and like I said, you can't run, you can't stop everything, but you could be careful about what you do feed on. Somebody said, I see nothing wrong with it. That's the danger. That's a real danger if I have no boundaries. It doesn't hurt me. It may already have. Oh, praise the Lord. Somebody said, where are them tacos? They said, preach extra long so we can get the food ready. No. Here's what we need to understand. You can't stop every bad thought that comes to you. Some things are going to come and you're going to be faced with stuff but I can choose what I'm going to ponder. But the other side is this. I can choose not to feed certain things. I've talked to people numerous times, and they'll say, yeah, the Lord dealt with me about not doing this or listening to this or not watching this. And um, well, I said, are you doing that? And they're like, no, and they're struggling. Um, he's got the solution. We're in a living relationship with him. And if you're allowing somebody else to build for you, don't be surprised when all of a sudden you got some weird structure. I didn't build that. Yeah, you did. You allowed somebody to feed, and it painted imaginary pictures, images. Thank you for your excitement. But we're to cast down vain ones. But in real time life, casting down vain ones takes place by loins gird, getting a new image in you. Notice Isaiah, familiar verse to some people, 26.3. So if we wrestle... And you got to realize our weapons are not carnal. They're not fleshly. Sometimes we lash out at people, and really the reason we acted, you know, have you ever said, you made me act this way. 
No, I have a core deep down view, and I presently have a trigger line. I can change that. You made me do this. You, no, no, you core, core, the way you see and process, that's why you go do things. To badger somebody for what they do does not help. To tell people, have faith, just have faith, you know, do that. That doesn't help anybody. Smash your glasses. I've heard people say, if you got faith, you know, just smash your glasses. No, smash your own glasses, dummy. If you have faith, your faith will turn to sight in time, then you can take them off if you use your faith there. But you don't have to tell somebody else, throw your medicine in the toilet. That's stupid. Because I have scripture, right? Meaning Paul said, use this for your infirmity's sake. I don't think he wanted the guy stained using that, but he knew he had a problem. And here, do this, and Paul taught on healing. Paul taught on those things. But you realize this? It can be legalistic to tell people certain things and not even grace, and not people think they're freeing somebody. But if, you, if people will get the truth and get a new core image, then how they do, how they conduct life will automatically begin to change. You with me? It will automatically. But is that core image automatic? Does it just fall on you? Is it going to happen just because you came today? No. I mean, will something be built? Will something be tore down? Yes. But you got to remember, you got all week to yourself. I used to love God. I don't know what happened. I was going to the church just like I was supposed to do. No, because it's more than just that. That's vital. And so, you know, because I've been around, I've seen people, but I know people. I know a guy who believed he was healed was in a full body cast, and they said, if you take that out, you'll turn black and blue, and you'll fall down and die. And he said, no, I'm healed. And he talked his sister into helping him cut the thing out. And he collapsed, just like the doctor said, turned black and blue and stood back up healed. I'm not saying things don't happen and there aren't miracles, but he chose to do it. He knew it was right. He didn't just go, I'm going to smash my glasses. And he's like, great. I... No, you would know yourself. In other words, there are some things I wouldn't do because I may not be strong, so I'm just not going to be around that. I'm not going to avoid it, but I'm going to work to get a new image in me so that I can stand strong and overcome that temptation. But these take time. I don't think they have to take a long time, but I will say this, you can't feed yourself wrong and think you're getting a good image. Because you're framing all the time. Isaiah 26.3 says this. You will keep... I could hear people's stomachs growling. That's why I said I got to hurry up. Or maybe that was mine. You will keep him in perfect peace. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. Okay, God, it's your job. 
get after it because I got a busy day. I got a lot of stuff pushing at me, my plate. I mean, I got a full thing, and I got to go face this, this, and this. Well, praise the Lord, you keep me in perfect peace. Do it. Hallelujah. The Lord's so good. Yeah, well, I wish that's all that was written there. Whose mind is stayed on him because you trust in him. Do you know where he uses the word here, whose mind, is the word imagination? And then he said it stayed on him. He said, why would you keep your mind stayed? This isn't a visitation right. I get weekends, I get every once every other this, and three weeks during the summer. No, this has stayed there. And notice what it is, your mind. So if we use the word imagination, because that's what it is, and it means to frame, that means your imagination is to constantly be building something in your life, in your core. Constantly. Somebody said, well, I can't do this all the time. You're just asking me to do something I can't do. Yes, you can. No, I can't. See, you're already arguing. You're already wrestling with me, and I'm trying to tell you the truth. But you ready? You ready? No, I don't know. I'm not sure. I just know I can't do this. How many of you can then worry all the time? Oh, I do that all the time. I do it while I'm working. I'm on the computer. I'm worrying and working. I'm at home. I'm worrying. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm worrying. You know what that is? Imagination. Vain imaginations. Empty imaginations. Wrong images that are doing what? It's not going to turn out. It's not working. Oh, my goodness. This is going to happen. These people are going to come. They're going to come take my car. They're going to, and if they are, then they're going to take it. Why worry? Well, I just feel like I need to have a stomachache until then. Because we have been trained to worry in this world instead of casting down those worries. Somebody said, well, I'm just so good at the other. Right, you can get good at this, though. And he said, if you will keep your imagination, technically, while you're building, you'll be tearing down. But it takes life. And, and you know what? Sometimes we're so good at worry, we think that, yeah, it's impossible. See, we won't even believe that all things are possible. I mean, we'll shout about it Sunday. I don't know, you know, because you, you get this every now and Well, this is just how you interpret that scripture. Well, let's just read it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's pretty plain. But what we don't realize is this, that worrying or fearing is basically doing this but really what it is, is we entered into a wrestling match and we're doing the moves of the one who came to wrestle with us. We've adopted them. And I don't know about you, but anytime you submit to God's will, to God's ways, it increases peace in your life. I mean, you can be in the middle of a war-torn country preaching the gospel, if you know you're supposed to be there, you'll have peace. I didn't say it'll stop the bombs. 
but you'll know, man, I'm in the right place. Anybody known they were in the right place and then went to the wrong place and went, I'm not in the right place? You notice how much peace increases when you're in the wrong place? It just gets better and better. It's like, wow, for being in the wrong place, I just seem to have so much more peace right now. It's confusing. No, you're not getting more peace. And he said here, you have to build a new image inside yourself, frame something new in order to have peace. And really, when he said, because he trusts in him, if you say you trust God, then you can just purpose to start putting your imagination like you would put worry when you find worry coming. And it won't be long and things will start changing. Thank you for that excitement. So I thought we were talking about prayer. Oh, we are. Oh, we are. Because you just go pray, and this whole thing comes into play. But when you get the right image established in you, you pray, and then you don't care about flesh and blood. When the right image is there, then you recognize it doesn't matter what the flesh is telling me. It doesn't matter what natural people and all this is telling me. I got this image in me. This is what God said. This is it. Then you can truly say, like the Bible said, we walk by faith and not by sight. So I'll say this in closing. What we need to do is recognize as a believer, we want our heart views or our core views to match the biblical spiritual realities of who we really are in Christ. What we have and all that. Because see, who we are and what we are is who we are and what we are. Whether you do what I'm telling you or not, if you're born again, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you drop dead right now, you'd go and be with him in heaven. But you could be living outside of peace, outside of victory here. Or you could be living in peace and victory, and the core way is right here. Somebody said, well, I'm just too busy. I don't know if I can do that. No, you have to do it. Meaning, because no matter what, you're constantly imaging through life. You are. When you're driving your car, you are constantly imaging, and everybody's doing it different. Oh, cars. There's one, there's one. Oh, let's wait to get off the freeway. Then you're looking around thinking, when there's a gap, then I'm going to get on the freeway. And it's all because you process in the core of you a certain way. Then there's other people, oh, this is exciting. This is like a video game. You know what I mean? And people totally process through their imagination all the time. Why is it one person's different than another? But here's the thing. As a Christian, we're new in spiritual matters. We need our imagination, our core to match that. 